Good morning again, everybody. Well, it finally is starting to look a little like Christmas out there. Going to get some snow tomorrow. We have been needing some moisture around here. Amen. Today, I want to, <clears throat> excuse me, I want to begin a new series uh, that loosely follows this, uh, the, the uh, classic Christmas uh, story entitled Christmas Carol, and it's called From Humbug to Hallelujah. That is <clears throat> the title of this series, <clears throat> excuse me, and um, it's a story, of course, related to this idea of Ebenezer Scrooge and how this crotchety old miser uh, basically has a wake-up call one Christmas Eve, and uh that led to a transformation in his life. And uh, I think in the story there are, there are some spiritual uh, principles that I think we can glean from. And uh, this is what I want to do. I, and I think this is kind of our Christmas time wake-up call. Uh, that God wants to, to speak some things into us, maybe where we're at right now in our life. Some of us, and I believe we need to see afresh in this season that we're in, our freedom that we have in Christ, uh, the fullness that is available to us, the favor that's on our life, and we just need to be awakened to these principles and these truths, and I, wanna, I want to spend the next couple of weeks talking about this. Today, I want us to, first of all, talk about our freedom in Christ. In fact, I've entitled this, this message today, Breaking the Chains of bitterness. And one of the things that we see in Scrooge was how that he struggled with bitterness in his soul. And I want to talk about this today. And to do this, I want to begin reading just uh, one, one verse of scripture out of Matthew, and then I want to take us to Luke chapter 4. And uh, these are kind of related to the Christmas story, but I want to go ahead and read this in Matthew chapter 1, verse 21. Let's look at this together, and this is the angel talking to Joseph after he's learned about Mary, uh, going to have a baby, and he knew that it wasn't his child, and so he was considering putting her away. The angel said to him, don't do that, and then he went on to say these words, and she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins, or he will deliver his people from their sins. The word or the name Jesus means Yahweh saves. And when he said he will save, it literally can be translated he will deliver from sin or the power of sin or the effects of sin. Then 30 years later, Jesus on the outset of his ministry stood up and read from the uh, prophet Isaiah. And he says in Luke chapter 4, he says, Jesus says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. <clears throat> because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. And then he went on to say to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. That last phrase, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. Literally, Jesus said, I have come to break the chains off of people's hearts 
off of their souls, off of their lives. I've come to set you free. How many thank God that Jesus came to set us free? And not the least of which, he came to break the chains of bitterness that can bind us. So, Father, we invite your presence right now. We thank you for your word. We know that your word is truth and that your word has power. It has freeing power. It has healing power. And I pray, God, that your grace would be upon us to receive, to hear, to listen, and to uh, obey your word today. In Jesus' name. And everybody says amen. Amen. Well, in the story... I apologize for this frog. I'll get it worked out here in a, maybe it'll hop out in a minute. <clears throat> in the story, A Christmas Carol, Ebenezer Scrooge, in the first part of it, he has a ghostly encounter with a dead man about his own dead condition. Jacob Marley shows up completely wrapped in chains, if you remember the story. And Scrooge is terrified initially. And then he asks him the question in their conversation, why are you so chained? Why do you have all of these chains on you? And Jacob Marley replied, and I quote, I wear the chains I forged in life. I made it link by link and yard by yard. I girded it on of my own free will. And of my own free will, I wore it. Listen to those words. I wear the chains I forged in life. I made it link by link. And yard by yard, I girded it on of my own free will. And of my own free will, I've been bound. I was chained. And now I'm wearing in eternity, so to speak, what I lived in my physical life. And then Jacob Marley says to Scrooge, does this surprise you? Don't you know that you wear chains? Don't you see the chains that you're wearing right now? I love Jacob. He says, they are ponderous. They're big. They're bulky. They're, They're just flowing off of you. And the story tells us, Charles Dickens writes that Scrooge looked about him expecting to see chains, but he saw none. It wasn't that there wasn't chains. He just didn't see them. And I think that he was blind to his own bondage, and he didn't realize that he was bound by the chains in his life as just as surely as Marley appeared in his death. And of all the chains that bound him, I think bitterness was the worst. He was a bitterly cold and indifferent man. I just want to say something. I think that this message here today isn't just for some of us. I think it's for most of us. It, it, I, I really believe that just as with Scrooge, many of us don't even realize the bitterness we are carrying. Just because we can't see the chains doesn't mean the chains are not there. Bitterness comes in all shapes and sizes. 
Bitterness manifests itself. I would use these uh, analogies. Bitterness in a person can be like a porcupine. A person may have a lot of good points, but you can't get near them. You know what you do when you see a porcupine? You keep your distance. And that's how it is with some people concerning their bitterness. You maybe are not appalled at looking at them or catching them in the wilderness, but you can't get close to them. Other people carry their bitterness like an iceberg. And uh, they seem cool and alert, aloof, and just kind of coldly indifferent. But there's so much more going on on underneath the surface than what you see. And again, you don't want to run into them like a Titanic. It can mess you up. Other people carry their bitterness like a crying baby where a baby gets so upset that they don't even know why they're upset. They don't even know why they're crying. They're hungry. They're tired. They're whatever. But they just are, and you can't comfort them. There's nothing. You try every possible way to comfort and console this person, but there is no comforting this bitter soul. Amen. Bitterness shows up in all kinds of ways. But I'm here to tell you today that Jesus wants to turn our humbug of bitterness into a hallelujah of victory. It says he will save his people. He will deliver his people from the effects of all their sin. And Jesus said, the spirit of God is upon me to break off your bondage And I'm here to break off the bondage of bitterness today. Hallelujah. And we need it. So to do this today, I want to break down this idea of, I want to talk about bitterness. I want to talk about the cause of it, where it comes from, the cost of it, and then we're going to get to the cure of it. The cause of bitterness. Where does bitterness come from? And how is it that we can get bound by bitterness? Well, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15, I think is really helpful for us to understand this. The writer says there, looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness, everybody say root of bitterness, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. So the writer says, that a root of bitterness can get into us and what happens to a root is that it begins to grow and it it produces fruit, it springs up and it causes trouble. Bitterness causes trouble and not only does it cause trouble, but it has a defiling effect. And so, but let's focus on this idea of the root of bitterness for just a moment. To have a root of anything means that there is a seed sown in soil. If anything is going to take root in us, first of all, there's a seed, and then that seed is enveloped in soil. And I think that this analogy of the root of bitterness is, it kind of becomes clear if you break it down to a seed 
and soil. What is the seed and what is the soil? Out of the seed that is sown and the soil that, you know, encapsulates it, if you will, there comes a root of bitterness. So the seed represents hurt. It's the seed of a hurt. Bitterness is deep-seated anger and disappointment at being hurt by some unfair word or deed or something that happened to you at some point in your life, in your past, in your recent past, in your distant past, or just some relational breakdown in your life or some event that took place that broke your heart, that hurt your spirit. That is the seed that was sown. And it was just dropped into your life. It was like it was dropped into your life. When you plant seeds, they say, don't drive the seed down in and don't pack it in. Just dig a little hole and drop it in and then just cover it over. You don't have to try to help the seed take root. It will take root. And people are just dropping seeds of hurt and words and, and things in our life that just, they, they lay on our soul. And if we're not careful, if we don't recognize that that temptation to be hurt by it, it'll get down into our spirit. Amen. It doesn't need help. People are just dropping junk all the time. And it gets into us. And that's, what, that's where the root of bitterness comes. It comes from a seed of hurt. Bitterness can happen when someone either intentionally, or watch this, unintentionally says something or does something and we take it, and we receive it like a seed. We don't look at it as poison. We look at it like a seed, and we take it in, and they maybe sometimes intended to hurt us, but there are all kinds of people that say all manner of thing, and they, never, they weren't even thinking. They were completely and utterly unthinking. But we got offended by it. Amen. And it hurt us and it became a seed in our soul. And then there are some people that this bitterness can also be either a very real thing that happens or the hurt may be a very real thing or it may be a thing that is imagined. Proverbs chapter 14 verse 10 says, The heart knows its own bitterness and a stranger does not share its joy. Bitterness, the hurt, when somebody hurts us, it can, it can get into our heart, and that's, that's where the bitterness begins to spring from. It's the seed of hurt. But listen, here's the soil. The seed is hurt. The soil is when we harbor it in hostility. If we harbor the hurt in our heart, we're holding on to a grudge. I heard somebody say one time, don't ever hold on to a grudge because if you do, it'll get all over you. And that's what happens when we get hurt. We get a grudge in our spirit and we hold on to this grudge. And what we're doing is we're accepting that hurt from somebody and we're enveloping it in our soul and in our spirit. And we thought we swept it under the rug, only we just buried it in our soul. We thought, well, I'll never talk about it. I'll never deal with it. I'll never, I'll never bring it up. And, and we never really got rid of it. We just buried it. We covered it up. We harbored it. Out of which hostility began to grow in our spirit. 
Amen. How we handle hurt determines what it becomes in us and to us. Listen, we either overcome the hurt or the hurt is going to overcome us. Amen. Are we getting anywhere this morning? Merry Christmas, everybody. From humbug to hallelujah, we got to deal with this bitter, this bitterness that can bind us sometimes. Here's what bitterness, bitterness usually, this is how the harboring takes place. Bitterness usually starts out pretty small, like a seed. It's really small, it seems insignificant. At first we kind of, you know, whatever. It's really small. It doesn't seem like it's that big of a deal. And what happens is, over time, it begins to grow because roots grow, essentially, in two directions. It gets deeper, and then it bears fruit. It comes up. So there are hidden parts of the hurt, but there are manifested parts of the hurt. And so it starts out really small like a seed, but over time it begins to grow and it begins to sprawl out of our soul, in our soul, and take over in us, latching on to every part in our lives. And so here's how it works. We replay the hurt over and over in our mind until it becomes ingrained in our thoughts. And then we begin to retell it to people around us, enlisting the support of other people to understand our pain so that they feel, you know, what we're feeling and it becomes a part of our feelings. And so we replay it and we retell it and we're enlisting people and this, this cycle is just harboring the hurt, which turns into hostility. Even Job said, Job, I read it, I just went over the notes again this morning just, just to make sure I didn't miss it. Seven times Job refers to his own bitterness. And he said one place, he said, I am not, he said, I, I, I jotted this down off to the side. He said, I will not restrain my mouth. I will complain in the bitterness of my soul. He only harbored it as any one of us have a tendency to do we think by not making a big deal out of it that we're not we're you know it's not a big deal in our life but it is a big deal when we're replaying it and then we're retelling it and then trying to enlist we're, we're like job oftentimes i'm i'm not going to hold back i'm going to tell the truth about what hurt me amen and there, therein lies the root of bitterness, from a seed of hurt to the soil of harboring that hurt in hostility. Now let's talk about the cost of bitterness. Now remember what he said in Hebrews 12, verse 15. He said, bitterness will spring up and cause trouble, and by this many will become defiled. So notice those words. Bitterness causes trouble. 
Bitterness is trouble. Ebenezer Scrooge was a troubled man. Troubled in relationships. Troubled in how he thought about life. Troubled in the way he conducted his life. And we, we you know, and so it causes trouble. And he said it defiles. And that word defiles means in the Greek to stain, to pollute, to contaminate. And it was a word that was used when they would dye clothes. That's the word for defile. So that they would take a garment and put it in and put it in a, a watery uh, a color mixture, and the color, the dye, would incorporate into the fabric that, of, in, of the fibers of that fabric, and it would come out a completely different color. And he said, that's bitterness. Bitterness has a powerful effect, listen, not only on you, but everybody you come in contact with. Come on, can I get a good amen out there? It affects everybody around you, and not only you. And sometimes we think that in our bitterness, we're hurting other people, or we're kind of getting back at life, when really all we're doing is drinking our own poison. Acts chapter, listen, Acts chapter uh, 8, verse 23 says, Peter said to someone, he said, For I see that you are poisoned by bitterness and bound by iniquity. Bitterness hurts you more than it hurts anybody else in your life. But don't think it doesn't defile all around you. It dies things. D-Y-E and D-I-E. It dies things. Bitterness kills. Bitterness robs you of the abundance of life that Jesus wants you to have. It robs you of your hallelujah. It brings you into a state of humbug where you're not fully in, 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 you know, uh, embracing the life that Jesus has brought to us. Amen. And so there's a cost to it. Here's, here's some things that bitterness left unchecked in our soul can lead to. Bitterness can lead to bad behavior can lead to bad behavior. Sometimes a bitter person acts out in, um, I don't know, there's no better way to say it than bad behavior. Just acts out. They're not very nice. They're not always doing the right thing, saying the right words, relating the right way. I want, you to, I want, to, I want to show you this. and I want to show you Hebrews 12, verses 15, and then 16. So he says, looking carefully, lest... Anyone falls short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this defile many. Lest there be any fornicator or profane person like Esau, who for one morsel of food sold his birthright. So the writer of Hebrew, Hebrew says, he, he draws the analogy of a root of bitterness like Esau had. And Esau, in a moment of his own passion, gave up his birthright. He sold up the, he, he gave away what God really intended, what was really best for him. And uh, 
to satisfy his own craving. And so he draws this analogy of, of if you see the full context there, that, that uh, people sometimes who have bitterness in them, they act out in ways that are self-destructive. They're hurting themselves. Sometimes a bitter child who has been maybe beat up by their parent or whatever will sometimes behave and they will act out of their bitterness. It's not always the parent's fault, but I'm just saying that there are times maybe when we were too harsh, maybe too abusive, maybe too unkind or uncaring, and what we did is that we hurt the heart and that was harbored in the heart and then bitterness began to set in and one of the ways they lived with that bitterness was they acted out of their pain and hurt because hurting people hurt. It happens to us. And so sometimes we are like Esau. We're acting out, and it's because we're hurt. We're bitter over some pain in our life. Here's another cost of bitterness. We begin to blame God. Behind a bitter heart is not just anger or hurt over what somebody did to us, but actually anger toward God who allowed it. Come on now. Now listen, this is a big deal. This is, by the way, we're not the only ones that have felt this. Naomi said in Ruth chapter 1 verse 20, she said, don't call me Naomi, which means pleasant one. Call me Mara. Call me bitter. Why? Because God has dealt bitterly with me. God, essentially what she's saying is God either killed my husband and my sons, or at least he allowed them. Why didn't he stop that? And some of us, sometimes in our bitterness, the real cost of it, it really we get twisted up in our theology about God. People say, well, God is sovereign, and if God, and it, you know, I don't know why God didn't keep me from that pain or why God didn't keep me from that trouble. The Lord really never promised that I will keep you from tribulation. He said, I will be there in the midst of it. But we develop a theology in our mind, in our thinking, our living. It's like, essentially, when we get hurt and when things happen, we essentially say, well, I don't know why God allowed that, why God, and we start, there, there's this, Distance that begins to develop in our relationship with God. And we're blaming him. We say, well, he's sovereign. If he's sovereign, then why didn't he stop it? Why didn't he keep it from happening? God is sovereign. God is overall. He's over everything. That doesn't mean he causes everything. You're sovereign. Amen. You're sovereign over your own life. You're sovereign over your actions. Do you blame you or do you blame God for your actions? You're the one that said that to them. God didn't make you say that to them. And yet we want to turn around and say, well, God must have done, God did that thing to me. God allowed that to, and, and, we're, and it's almost like it's, a, it's the reverse of the devil made me do it. You know good and well the devil didn't make you do it. So why do we turn around and blame God for doing it?
Part of the problem we're bitter today, and the cost of bitterness in our soul is that we have developed a wrong theology. I hope I said all that correctly. I'm pretty sure I'm right. No. God's not your problem. He's your solution. And I know some of the hurts that some of us have felt in our life and experienced was very tragic, very wrong, very evil. But it was just that. It was tragic, it was wrong, it was evil. God is good. And God says, I can step into any brokenness and heal you, deliver you, restore you. I'm not to blame, but I am the answer. Amen. Here's another cost of bitterness. Broken relationships. One of the things that you see in the story of Scrooge is that he was very dysfunctional in his ability to relate to people. He suffered broken relationships. And uh, it because of some of the things that he experienced early on in his life, he had a really hard time of trusting people. He's overly critical. He grew up in poverty, and so he was never going to be poor again, and so he invested himself in materialism, and people became just instruments and tools to get him through into his life, into the life he wanted. He didn't trust people. He was critical of them, and nothing people did was ever really good enough. And this is what happens in bitter people, that, that we sometimes we really struggle with truly relating to people as people are, and people are completely and utterly a huge mess. But we, in our bitterness, just, you know, that's what we see. And that, is, that just, it just takes over in us. And this can happen in our relationships. It can happen in our homes. This is why Paul said in Colossians chapter 3, verse 19, Husbands, love your wives and do not be bitter toward them. Why did Paul write that? Probably because he noticed that there were some husbands that were bitter toward their wives. She never does what I tell her to do. She's never there for me. Yeah, come on. There's a reason why he wrote that. Don't be bitter. It can happen. There are marriages where bitterness has set into our soul. And right now we're just coexisting and we're just kind of living through the remainder of our lives. Maybe tell the kids, get up and get away. God doesn't want, Jesus said, I've come to break the chains. A bitterness in your home, in your marriage, in your life. I didn't just come to break the chains of, of sin that I've already dealt with in your life. That's been, that's been taken care of. I rose and, and am victorious over that, and you're victorious in me because of that. But there are some other areas where you're all chained up. It could be in your home, and it could be in your marriage, or it could be with people in your life or your boss or people that you work with. Here's, an, here's another uh, verse of scripture in the Bible about relationship. Proverbs chapter 17, verse 25. 
It says a foolish son is a grief to his father and bitterness to her who bore him. So what happens sometimes when, you know, it can happen in parent and child relationships that it just bitterness sets into our soul because of choices that are being made. And we didn't, we didn't train them up that way or we didn't raise them up that way. And, and if we're not careful, we can become bitter to the point where they may be our son or our daughter, but we don't have place or space for them in our lives. And it happens. It happens a lot. And we're coming into a season when it's supposed to kind of be all about family. And then we wonder why the depression and the suicide rate and just the, well, the humbugging that goes on. And it probably has a lot more to do with right in my very own home. not probably has anything to do hardly with who's the president. Come on. So that's the cost of bitterness, and there's probably more. But that's all I have time for. But I'm not done. I want to talk about the cure for bitterness. Well, I just want to remind us all here today that the devil loves to make chains of bitterness, but Jesus comes to break them. Satan, you know, was bitter. He was bitter over his position that it wasn't good enough. Just like last week we talked about he was unthankful. He didn't appreciate all that he had. Satan is bitter, and he wants you and I to be bitter. But Jesus comes to make us better. Amen. He comes, he comes to relieve us of this bitterness in our soul and in our heart. He wants to heal us of this. There is a cure. Jesus came to uh, break off and to cure this bitterness in our heart. So let me give you three, three simple principles about being cured from bitterness. First of all, let God reveal it to you. Let God reveal it to you. I said earlier that this isn't for some of us. This is for most of us. There are things in, our, in your life and in your soul today where you and I have bonds of bitterness and it's like we see the things that we do, we just don't know why we do the things that we do. We see, we... we we recognize how I feel about a certain person, but I just don't know why. We're, what is that? Well, let me, give you, let me give you the answer. It's in the back of the book. It's like this. It's bitterness. But we're, we're blind to it sometimes. And the only one that can reveal it to us, really, ultimately, finally, the one who brings as a there's a ministry called Theophostic. The one who can bring light into that place of darkness and deception is the truth of God. Only he can really do this. Scrooge, Ebenezer Scrooge, was a bitter person. And when the, when the angel of Christmas past showed up, the first thing he did was take him back to his childhood. 
And when Scrooge saw himself, he saw this lonely, alone little boy who had been neglected by his parents and lived in poverty and forsaken on one Christmas. And there was that event in his life that was burrowed into him. And he didn't realize what that was, but he just, he looked at it and even himself said, poor little boy. There are things of our past, there are things of our experiences in life that oftentimes, not only, but oftentimes come out of our own childhood. Remember the, demon, the demonized boy that was brought to Jesus by his father to be healed, and Jesus asked a really interesting question. He said, Where, when did this start in his life? And his father said, from childhood. Now, I'm not here to play psychology and be a child psychologist and all of that. Let me just say, we are very complex people who've had very complex experiences in our life. And there are things that are happening in our life right here, right now, that took place some back where over here, and we don't make a big deal of it. You know what we do? We just work to overcome it. And then we just mess up a lot of people along the way. Come on now, I'm preaching right now. Well, how do I get to the bottom of it? We need a ghost of Christmas past experience, I guess, if you will. We need God to show up and bring us to those places where we've been hurt and say, God, you need to show me. I need you to reveal to me what is going on. I see what I do. I just don't know why I do it. Show me what, why this these fits of rage. Show me this impatience. Show me this criticizing. Show me the complaint. Show me why I'm here instead of making excuses for it. Listen, since Jesus, no more excuses. Period. There's no more. You need to say, God, I need you to show me why. Why do I feel this way? Why am I acting this way? Why am I treating this way? What's going on? Even Hannah, the Bible said, out of her bitter situation, cried out to God. And that's a cue for us. We're all in a place in some form or fashion where bitterness is set in, and we need to be like Hannah. Say, God, I need you right now. Here's a good prayer for you. It's found in Psalms 139, verses 23 and 24. The psalmist said, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties, and see if there is any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. I had a hallelujah session the other day when I studied that that out again. I knew this, but I had forgotten it. But the word wicked, when he says, see if there's any wicked, everybody say wicked. <laughs> the word wicked, you know, what it, you know what it actually means in the Hebrew language? It actually means pain and sorrow. Man, that's eye-opening to me. God, it's like David is saying, Lord, show me the pain. Show me where it hurts because I don't even know where it hurts. Show me why this, there's, there's this issue in me because I don't even understand. 
show me. The, this translation says wicked, but really, what the word really means, show me the pain. Let me see it. I don't, I don't know why I'm even in this place. How many of you know that God answers prayer? And I guarantee you, if you take those two verses of Scripture over the next 25 days, or now 20 days leading up to Christmas, say, God, I need to know what's going on in me. Why am I struggling with this? Why am I acting out this way? I believe God will show you. Amen. Amen. Can I get a good amen? So first, the cure for bitterness is let God reveal it. Let God reveal it. Number two, let forgiveness remove it. You know, at some point, you got to let it go. That's forgiveness. You got to let it go. You're going to have to let it go. You think, well, I'm going to retain it because, you know, I just got to, I just got to. It's the right thing to do. No, it's the wrong thing to do. It's killing you. Paul said in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31 and 32, let, watch this, all bitterness. Let it go. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. When I was looking at that verse of Scripture, leave it up there, if you would, let all bitterness. I was like, what? All bitterness? All bitterness? Well, I think he went on to describe the contents of all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamoring, evil speaking, malice. That is the substance of bitterness. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Going on to the next verse. And be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even, oh, here's your, here's your forgiveness test, even as God in Christ forgave you. To the same degree that you have received forgiveness, Paul said, you got to give it. You have to give it. Let all bitterness be put away. You know what you got to do with that hurt? You got to put it away. That bitter spirit, you got to put it away. The way to remove the hurt in your heart is to forgive and to let them go. This is exactly what Jesus did. If anybody had a right to get bitter, it was the Lord. In fact, when he was hanging on the cross and he said, I thirst, they gave him gall to drink. Gall is a bitter drink and it was intended to numb the pain. But the Bible said when he tasted the gall, he refused it. Like, I refuse to be bitter. What did he say as they were bringing him up on the cross? Forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. Some people say, well, I'll forgive them when they come to me and tell me and acknowledge and really let me know the hurt that they caused in me. Jesus forgave even though they never asked for it. 
Sometimes you can't go back and have somebody undo what they did. But you can be as free as if that did happen. Through forgiveness. Amen. Come on, amen. So let God reveal it. Let forgiveness remove it. And then finally, Julie, if you'd come, let love replace it. How do I, how do I overcome this bitterness? Well, you choose to forgive and you choose to love. And love is not a word. It is, it's not just an idea. It is a verb. It is action. It is choice. It is being the right person. That's what love is. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is tenderhearted. Love doesn't harbor ill will. Love rejoices in the truth. Love does not envy. Love is not jealous. Love is not mean-spirited. Love is patient. Love is kind. I've been really hurt. How do I overcome my hurt? Love them. Listen, I'm talking to myself. Don't don't think I'm up here. I'm up here about a foot and a half. I'm not trying to be down at you. I'm with you. The ground at the foot of the cross is level. We're all on the same plane here. How do I conquer this bitterness of soul? Love your way through it. Be the right person. That's what love really is. Somebody says, uh, I'm looking for Mr. Right when you talk about marriage. But love isn't finding the right person. Love is being the right person. Just, Just start being that person of what love is. And that will replace that bitterness and that coldness. Can we stand together? Can I have the prayer team come? The intercessors and those who are going to pray. There is healing, freedom, liberty available to us in this room today. If your heart has been hurt, if you've been wounded by some unfair or unkind thing, whether it was intentional or unintentional, if you've been been carrying things in your soul, today there's freedom available. Jesus has come. He was born. He lived. He died. He rose again to break the bonds, the chains off of our life. And one of those chains is bitterness. If also you're here today and you need, you'd like prayer for healing in your body or for any other need in your life, these folks would be willing to pray with you. Can we just pray right now? Let's, let's not rush just a moment. Let's just kind of just um, let the Holy Spirit, let the healing solve of the Spirit of God anoint our head. Lord, I pray that wherever there is 
bondage, wherever there is hurt, wherever there is unforgiveness, wherever there is maybe even hate, God, we bring it to you. We need to hear from you. We need to encounter you. God, I pray that you would truly turn. We need a wake-up call today, Lord. We need a turning in our heart and in our spirit from where we've been to where you want us to be. We invite you, God, to set the captive free right now in Jesus' name. If you need prayer, you can begin to make your way to the front. Just walk up to one of the prayer intercessors, and they'll just begin praying for you and loving you right where you're at. Julie, could you just lead us in that? Sing this with Julie. me free. God, we're, ch we're changed for eternity. Amen? Come on, amen out there. God bless you. You can still come for prayer if you need to. Otherwise, God bless you. Have a great day.